Now let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you that we're here today. Together, loving you, growing together. And when we leave this place, we'll be going together to reach a lost and broken world with your grace and with your love and with your transformation power that can set people free from sin, shame, death, hell, and the grave and give them resurrection, life, and power. We're so grateful for who you are today, what you've done for us. Words cannot express our gratitude, our thanksgiving, our appreciation for who you are and everything that you've done for us. And all God's people have said, Amen. Amen. Well, we're in the family series. We started the first week with modeling. We are um, privileged and thrilled to have this experience of being born again and the Spirit of God dwelling within us and transforming us to such a point where we are conformed to the image of Christ and where we go out into a broken, lost world that needs His love and we model the character and nature of God. We model the love of God. We model the grace of God. And when people look at us, they see the character and nature of God and they say there's something different about that person. There's something that I need. It's, it's the Lord Jesus Christ being forgiven, being set free, and being delivered. So we're able to model the fashion, the design, and the pattern of God himself. Amen? The world needs to see who Jesus is. Amen? And the only Jesus that they might see is you. And many will come to Christ as they see your example and see your life and see your love. It's not about church custom It's not about churchianity. It's about serving Christ with everything that you have, giving Him everything that you are, and saying, Lord, it's me standing in the need of prayer, but I'm willing to to serve you and to love you to fulfill my destiny in God. Amen? The purposes of God. Then we, we, uh, Pastor John brought a great message last week on minutes, how we build into our, our lives intentional rhythms of spending time with God, spending time with our family, talking about the character and nature of God, reading scripture, and looking at the time that we spend and maybe prioritizing some things in our hearts and lives that give honor to God. Amen? How many of you watch too much TV? Yeah, man, you get me with news? I can sit and watch news forever. I'm a sick person. And I think I sit there because I want some... Justice. I want some new revelation that everything is perfect and peace has come. And I'll be sitting there a long time until Jesus comes. Amen? We have a lot of things in our hearts and lives that that we do that are not bad. They're not evil, but they're not the best. They might be good, but they're not the best that God has for us. So Pastor John brought a great message last week where we, we thought about time and how we spend time. And how we uh, spend our lives um, wrapping ourselves around uh, solitude and silence and getting into the Word of God and gathering the family around and taking time just to uh, have family devotions, talk about the grace of God, talk about the love of God, and instill in our kids a desire to delight in the Lord, amen, and to live for God. See, when I, when I grew up, Still in the process of growing up. But when I grew up, 
I knew that I could not be a good kid because of the sin nature within me. We're not trying to raise good kids, guys. We don't want good kids. We want kids that love Jesus, that delight in Jesus, that have surrendered their heart to Jesus. The greatest passion that they have is to know and love Jesus with everything that they are. And then they go out into a world and it's not made up, it's not performance, but it's a love that comes from their heart to reach lost people and broken people with God's grace and his love. That's the kind of kids that we we want to raise in our church family. Amen? Are you in on that? Amen. This week, we're talking about moments. Moments are an opportunity for relationships and transformation. Jesus came to earth to tell us and to show us the great plan of God's grace, love, and redemption for mankind. If he bellowed out from the clouds, I love you with an everlasting love, we would say, yeah, right, you're going to kill us, right? Jesus came down. His life was filled with moments of love and compassion, moments of grace and truth. We needed to be told. We needed to be showed the very nature of God and His attributes. We needed to be touched. We needed to to feel love. We needed to be loved by God. We needed to love on God. Jesus is God. Jesus' life was filled with moments, capturing and leveraging opportunities in the course of every day for the purpose of gospel-centered conversations. Not religion-centered conversations, not political agenda conversations, but gospel-centered conversations. Jesus was observant and prepared to take advantage of every opportunity to connect with people and to communicate God's truth, which was himself. And whenever he had the chance, that truth broke the bondage of sin and shame and the mesmerizing voice and sway of our sinful nature and of the enemy of our souls. Amen? Those of you that are saved, born again, have the life of God within you, aren't you grateful for the Holy Spirit's power to woo you and draw you away from those voices of your sinful nature and the voices of the enemy of your souls that is the accuser and the slanderer on your life? Amen? We no longer listen to the devil and and, uh, Satan and his, and his ways and his talk over us. Amen? We have the power now to live a transformation life based on the power of the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit. Just think of the moment spent with Jesus that the adulterous woman at the well had. She came at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. All the other women came early in the morning before the sun came up. In the scripture, the Bible says that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. He, he must needs go through Samaria. The Jews didn't go through Samaria. They hated the Samaritans. They were half-breeds. They were mixed with the Assyrians. They got mixed up with idol worship. All the true religious Jews walked around Samaria because they didn't want to go through those dogs. Here, in Scripture, we see the Creator of the universe, our Redeemer, walking through Samaria. Just like He walks through the brokenness and the pain and sorrow of our sin and our shame and our guilt, He walks right through. He must needs walk through your shame. He must needs walk through your guilt. 
He must needs walk through your condemnation so that just like he did with the women at the well, he brought life and transformation power. Are you ready to trade your brokenness and your sin for restoration and life today? You think you're not valued by God? Think again. This woman at the well realized her worth and value in Jesus' eyes. And what were her next moments? Her next moments were spent connecting people to God and making the name of Jesus famous. She didn't even go to Sunday school. Amen? She went back and she told her community about the grace and the love of God, who she knew was the Messiah. He told me all things about myself. And isn't that the wonder about the Holy Spirit is that he reveals to you exactly what you are and it's your choice to decide what you're going to do with the wisdom and knowledge that he gives you. Amen? Repentance is all about turning from our sin and changing our mind about our sin and our separation from God and running to God and his love and being embraced by him. This is what this woman did And all the community came to Jesus and Jesus spoke to them and then they said this, and this has to happen in everybody's life if you're a disciple of Christ. Hey lady, we no longer uh, listen to him and listen to you. We have heard his very words and have seen his life and we know it for a surety because we have experienced him. Amen? If you have not experienced Jesus Christ... You have no life and you have no power. And that's why we gather today as brothers and sisters in Christ to lift each other up, to wrap arms around each other, and to serve God with grace. Amen? Wondering how He, the sinless Lamb of God, would make His way into my brokenness and my sin and take me out of the muck and mire, transfer me from the kingdom of darkness into His wonderful light. Amen? What a great God that we serve today. What a great God that we serve today. Just think about when Jesus told the cheating tax collector Zacchaeus. Little short dude. And I'm not going there, okay? Zacchaeus. Little short dude. Climbed up a tree. Wanted to see Jesus. He heard about Jesus. Earlier on, Matthew, who was a tax collector had a dinner, invited all his tax-collecting friends over and invited Jesus. Some say that Zacchaeus was there and first had a glimpse of who Jesus Christ was and made a connection there. And the thing about Jesus is when you get in his presence, sin doesn't stay too long. You have to make a move. Either accept it or reject it. Zacchaeus was in a state of repentance and sorrow And he needed to see Jesus. Climbed up a tree. And Jesus, who breaks all customs, Jewish customs, he went over to Zacchaeus and said, Buddy, come on down. Come on, we're going to go to your house. Make some supper for me. Because I want to dine with you. I want to have some fellowship with you. And everybody's looking on like, Does Jesus know who this dude is? This is the cheating evil tax collector. And isn't it said of Jesus that he was a glutton and that he was a drunkard 
You know, sometimes we've got to let our reputation go, amen? To serve the living God, to reach the lost and the broken, and not worry about our religious reputation before, before men. Jesus didn't care. Jesus broke all kinds of Jewish customs to minister his grace and his love. He took moments where he would share his grace and share his love with the broken and with the hurting. There's a couple of scriptures that we can turn to, okay? Take your Bibles, your iPad, your iPhone, your Galaxy 6-8, or any other kind of invention that has come out. All right? That's still in the making, that Galaxy 6-8. Luke chapter 21. Anybody hot in here? Yeah? Okay. Luke chapter 21. Let's read this together. First verse. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. They were the smallest coins in, uh, in that land. Pennies. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. See, Jesus wasn't really concerned about the outside actions. He was concerned about the heart. He understood that this woman, this was all she had, but she loved God. She revered God. She had the fear of God. And she said, you know what? I put my trust not in these two little pennies, God, but I put my trust in you, as Sully said today, as Jehovah Jireh, and I give that to you. It's not really what we give, mainly. It's what we give up, amen? When it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this woman showed her devout faith in God, trust in God, and Jesus pointed it out. Let's go to Luke chapter 11. Let's start with verse 37. Luke chapter 11, verse 37. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. That was a very bad decision. So he went in and took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools! Didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor, and you will be clean all over. This custom of hand washing was not in the law, was not in the Torah. It was not commanded by God. It was made up by men. It was a custom. And there were different factions that washed to their wrist. And then the holier faction washed to their elbow. And then the really holy people washed to their shoulder. And then the wackos stripped everything off and washed everything. Just kidding. It was only to the wrist and only to the elbow. And the Jews looked at Jesus and said, He's not following our man-made religious customs. 
And Jesus took this moment to point out the evil of their heart. It's not about the significance of custom, of a church custom, or even a church culture. The the significance is about your heart and where you are with God. See, Jesus always deals with the heart. Whenever we're, we're dealing with the Holy Spirit, He zings right to the heart. Amen? The Bible says that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword that gets right into by the power of the Holy Spirit between the joint and the marrow, the soul and the spirit. Tells us what we are, but tells us what we can become because of what Christ has done. I thank God that Jesus deals with my heart and not whether or not I follow church custom. Or I perform a certain way. Amen? In Luke chapter 13, verses 1 and 5, there's the story of in Galilee, the Romans came into the Jewish temple and murdered many, many Jews. Later on, there was a a tower in Salome that fell down on people. And in that culture, it was church custom to believe that something that has evil has happened to you, that God is against you, God is judging you, and you are a worse sinner than someone else. Jesus pointed out in this passage of Scripture that, whoa, whoa, they're no worse than you, and you better repent of your sins because judgment is coming. Amen? The Bible says that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, right now, we're on the same level playing field. Amen? I'm a sinner saved by grace, and you're a sinner saved by grace. We stand on the promises of God. We stand on the blood of Jesus Christ has forgiven us and cleansed us from all sin. Doesn't matter what you've done. We're all fall short of the glory of God. If I decided to jump across a cliff, and I told my buddy, Pastor John, that I can jump further than you because I'm taller... And I still jump further than him and miss. I'm falling down into the chasm. And a lot of people, they just, in their religious life, just keep jumping and keep falling. Keep jumping and keep falling. Keep jumping and keep falling. Realize, just down a little bit of ways is the cross of Christ that has spanned the gulf of your sinfulness and God's righteousness. Amen? And he invites you. Come across, put your faith in the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood atonement that has washed away every, every, every sin. And when Jesus looks at you, He looks at the righteousness of God. Amen? The righteousness of God. And that's why we love Him. We love Him so much. All these instances in our spiritual formation sheet this week speaks of Jesus combating a culture and customs that were man-made and religious. See, every, every church that you go into, there's a certain culture that erupts. Isn't it true? Certain customs that we take on. And a lot of those customs and culture has nothing to do with the gospel. How many of you have had to wear dresses? Or you couldn't wear makeup? I hate not wearing makeup. Especially when I, when I get older now. I like to put a little, you know, stuff on just to take away the wrinkles and everything. But you know what I'm talking about. See, when we, when we come into church, the first thing that God wants you to understand is that you belong. 
you belong. Doesn't matter where your life is. Doesn't matter what kind of sin you're battling with. You belong here. And as we work on believing, as we work on trusting, as we work on following hard after God and understanding who God is and His power, He begins to transform us and mold us and that happens together because we share life together. Amen? Thank you for that. We read in Philippians. This is in the NASB. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20. For I fully expect according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything. But with all boldness, Christ will even now, this moment, as always, be exalted, magnified in my body, in my life, whether I live or whether I die. Amen? He was one tough dude, and he understood how to trust in the Lord. Amen? I fully expect... According to my earnest expectation. This word in the Greek speaks of a battle where armies have come together and they've lined up together in this huge field with spear and javelin and shield. And they're looking at each other and they're drooling at the mouth waiting for the battle cry. And once Mel Gibson comes out and yells, Freedom! Let's go! And everybody with eager expectation, drooling at the mouth, and they run to the battle. Amen? This is the thought that Paul is expressing. That even though he's in jail right now, he still has this eager expectation. He still hears, hears the battle cry of Jesus Christ ready. So when he cries out, go. When he cries out, preach. When he cries out, serve. He's willing to go and minister with eager expectation. How many of you wake up in the morning with this eager expectation to hear the battle cry of Jesus Christ, to go into a broken and lost world, wrestling not against flesh and blood, wrestling against spiritual powers and authorities and dominions and with the cry of the victorious one that has already won the battle we run into the battle with victory we run into the battle with power we run into the battle with provision knowing that we serve the one that has won the battle for us and he is the victor the Bible says that we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ Am I getting through, do you think? Yeah, okay. Stephanie says I'm getting through. Everybody everybody understand where I'm going with this? Where are you going with this? Everybody understand? Okay, let's keep going. And then it says here in, first, uh, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, that I will not be put to shame in anything. And this is the greatest work of the enemy is that he wants to bring shame and guilt into your life because when there's shame and guilt in your life, you don't see the cross of Christ. You don't see the provision of Christ. You don't see the resources of Christ. A dark cloud has come over your life and you need to make a, make a change. You need to repent. 
Then it says, Christ will, even now, this moment, as always, be exalted, magnified in my body, in my life, whether I die or live. What's going on right now in your life? What's happening right now? What's happening this moment? When you consider your life and you consider your circumstance and you consider your situation, is your mind focused on the promises of God? Is your mind focused on the provision of God? And like Paul, is your heart being stirred with eager expectation that no matter what is going on in your life, God is going to see you through and God is going to purpose you for his kingdom in this very moment. This is a defining moment. This moment is a crisis of decision. Where we will go now with our lives as we leave this place to trust God with eager expectation that even in the sickness we will be exalted. He will be exalted and he will be magnified. In our lack of finances he will be exalted and he will be magnified. In broken relationships he will be magnified and he will be exalted. You understand what the word magnified means? How many of you took a magnifying glass when you were a kid and burnt ants and bugs and spiders? I thought you would for Geely. Being for Geely on the line. Magnifying glass makes something small a whole lot bigger. This word doesn't bring this out. What this word means in the Greek is that when we magnify the Lord, we are set free and we are loosed. set free and we are loosed when we magnify the Lord and exalt him what does the Bible say where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty and freedom amen we magnify the Lord we let him loose in our hearts and in our lives and we live out this adventure every day of our lives with eager expectation taking every moment realizing that God wants to use us To bring his grace and his love to a lost and dying world. Our discipleship moment with family and friends could come at any time. It might come when you leverage an opportunity to pray over a passing ambulance. It might come when uh, your kids have a friend at school that needs prayer. Where you visit a sick friend. When you drive by a funeral or a wedding. It could be moments of discipline or moments of celebration. It might be to correct, to inform, to encourage, to inspire. There are myriad opportunities in everyday life that you can leverage and capture moments where you can communicate the goodness of God and His call on your life. Two main things that We're trying to communicate and teach when we have moments of discipleship with our family and friends. Number one, we want people to understand the character and nature of God. How many people sit in churches today and they don't know God? They know about God. Isn't that true? They don't have a a firm relationship about his, His character and His nature. Who is God? What has He done? 
What is he doing? What is he like? We take moments in our, in our day to illustrate this to a lost and dying world, not just by our words, but by our actions, right? When we serve, when we give, when we love, when we give up the two coins that we have and we throw it in the box, realizing that God is our provider and he is going to minister to us. Secondly, we want to minister godly character. We want people to know that you don't have to live in the bondage of sin and shame and guilt. You don't have to be bound by your brokenness. You don't have to be bound by your past. You don't have to be all bound up by what people have said about you in your past. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.21 You are a new creation. All things are past. All things have become new. Amen? How many feel new today? <laughs> I'm old, man. I'm, I'm hurting. My body hurts. I got to bend over in the morning just to get this cinder block out. You know what I mean? We wait on the Lord. He renews our strength. We mount up as eagles. We run. Like, what that? And we will not be weary. That's coming from a 90-year-old man right there. Amen? <laughs> awesome. Who am I? Who has God called me to be? What has He asked of me? And how can I become more like Him? Who are you? Who has God called you to be? What is he asking of you? And how can you become more like him? This was God's mission to see the potential, to have people see the potential in our lives. Amen? To see what we, what we could become, even in our weakness. Paul prayed three times to take away this thorn in the flesh, which many, many feel was a physical ailment. He prayed three times. He walked the earth healing people. But he brought his illness to God and said, God, if you can restore me and heal me, that would be great. And the Lord said, this is a thorn in the flesh that will always remind you of your weakness so that you could always remember my strength. If you feel weak today, that's good. Because it brings us to the fact that we need his strength today. When uh, Amaris was young, I woke up on a Sunday morning, I was leading worship at a church, and I just felt, you ever wake up feeling dark and sinful and evil, and then I got to grab a guitar and go sing praises to God, and I was just walking around the house, and little Amaris, she was little, she came up to me and says, Daddy, are you alive? I was like, Yes, I am. I'm dead to the world and alive in Christ. Amen? And those little words from that three-year-old set me worshiping God. I am alive. I am not dead. And His promise is that He will bring life and He will bring restoration and He will bring freedom.
I want you to think about your moments that you spend with your co-workers and your family. And I want you to really ponder the thought that every conversation you have can be a kingdom conversation. Amen? Every, every dealing with, with people, you can leverage that opportunity to bring out not church custom or religion, but bring people to the gospel. Because we truly believe that every person needs to find Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There's no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? And when we exalt Him and when we lift Him up, heaven comes down and glory fills our, our heart and fills our soul. So, when you leave this joint today, I want you to ponder your moments. I want you to ponder your friendships. I want you to ponder your family. And I want you to think about what Paul has said. Even now, this very moment, I will have eager expectation of what God is going to do through my life, not based on my feelings, but based on my relationship with Jesus Christ. And that I will magnify the Lord. I will loose Him and let Him go into every area of my life to see the glory and the wonder and the splendor of the Lord. You see, he, Jesus left the majesty and splendor of heaven to come down and die so that we now have eternal life and can enjoy His majesty and splendor in this place. We felt His presence today, didn't we? He was here today. Creator of the universe. The Redeemer is here today ministering to us. And He's worthy of all our praise, isn't He? He's worthy of our attention. He's worthy of us walking in the purposes and passion of God and realizing our potential that God wants to use you. There's a lost and broken world out there and people are hurting. And just like Jesus, when He rounded up Zacchaeus, the adulterous woman, He showed them love and gave them new life. Maybe this week, God has a destiny for you. Someone will go from death into life. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you today. We thank you for your grace and mercy. I personally thank you for saving me and delivering me. Because as my pop knows, I'd be in severe trouble right now. And I thank you. I thank you for those in this room that have accepted you as Lord, have repented of their sins, have turned to you, put their faith in you for their salvation, for their forgiveness. And they have received forgiveness and they know without a shadow of a doubt that they are your children. They belong to you. They are, you are accepting them. You've given them access into your presence. Lord, we're so grateful for the fact that you haven't saved us and given us a one-way ticket and we're just waiting in the, at the bus stop. You've sent us out into a lost and dying world. This week, we'll be waiting for the battle cry. We'll be waiting for you to ride on the white horse and give the sign to charge, bring victory, and bring the wonder of who you are into people that are lost and broken. We love you today, God. We give you our hearts. We give you ourselves.